Union University. And then uh, Brother Clay Jackson felt directed by God to pursue the medical field. And um, he is, uh, we say in Tennessee, the old mothers say in Tennessee, they didn't say he's going to become a doctor or he's going to become a preacher or be a preacher. He says he's going to make a preacher. That's the way they say it. And Brother Clay Jackson made a preacher and he made a doctor. And uh, he is a highly respected uh, medical doctor and uh, minister of the gospel. And he was a preacher before he was a doctor. Amen. And we're glad that he's here with us. Brother Clay and his son Wesley, thank you for coming to be with us. God bless. Let's make him welcome today, both of these young, these young men. And why don't we love the Lord together? I feel him so strongly here today. Let's lift our hands. The presence of the Lord is walking up and down these aisles. I can feel him permeating his body right now. He's moving among his people. Father, we thank you for who you are. We adore you. We live for your spirit. This is our life's blood. This is our water. This is our breath. This is the air that we need. We exist only fully in your presence, God. And now we give you thanks because we can feel you. We adore you, Father. Hallelujah. Why don't you reach your hand over the person next to you? Pray that their heart's cry will be answered. The Lord is moving in a powerful way today. There are prayers that are older prayers that can be answered right now. I prophesy that prayers that are decades old can come to fruition in an atmosphere like this. That corporate prayers of this church, that mantles of ministry have borne through decades, could come to fruition in an atmosphere like this. That this community could be affected because of the faith that's released in an atmosphere like this. Father, I pray, Lord, for you to anoint and to bless and to heal. God, I pray for you to minister to individuals right now. And corporately, Lord, to let your power flow into this ministry like never before. Bless this congregation. Bless this people. We thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 That's all right. It's all right to clap your hands. Praise the Lord. Is this mine, Brother Brown? I spoke earlier in Orange County, and I drank the pastor's water. (laughs) I hope he wasn't sick. (laughs) Praise God. You may be seated. It's wonderful to be in Pasadena. It is so wonderful. I apologize for being a little late for your service. I know why you call them freeways out here. You're free to park anywhere you like. I didn't see any parking meters anyway on the way here, but I did see lots of parked cars, and one of them was ours. So that was frustrating. Um, I printed out. I, I, I went to the third floor business center in our hotel this morning to print out my sermon notes, and um, lo and behold, my memory stick would not work in the computer that they had. So that's no problem. I had them on my computer, and my computer just died. Um, So you'll be happy to know that the fewer notes I have, the longer I preach. So we'll be done by 5, I promise. Fortunately for you, I'm on uh, Central Time, so 5 is pretty good. But we're going to be okay. How many love the Lord? Great, great, great. I feel so at home today when I... When I, I could hear the music in the, in the parking lot, I came in, saw where people were responding to the presence of God, and I love that. I love that. I did not make a commitment to this truth to be part of a dead and dying people. Please, please, stay authentic. Stay apostolic. Stay who you are. I have a nine-year-old who's coming along who needs to see the Spirit of God in operation in the church. 
He needs to know that miracles still happen today. I need to know that the presence of God is moving in our midst. I have needs in my life that I can't accomplish those needs with my education or my ability or my health. I need the Lord. Amen? How many believe what I'm saying today? We serve an authentic God. We serve a God who's interested in us. He cares for us. His needs are our needs. Praise God. Wow. i got to get to my notes because if I preach before I preach, we'll be here forever. You guys are bringing out the Word of God today. It is obvious that you're here to worship God. I thank the Lord for Brother Brown. Uh, we did spend a lot of time together. We were growing up. I won't bore you with all those stories. They are many and they are legion. I will tell you that he can run faster than a speeding train, and that is true, and I saw it with my own eyes, and I praise God for it, or you would not know him. He would now be lost in Belarus. Uh, ask him for that story sometime if he hasn't shared it with you. It is wonderful. He also defended on that day his only mother from a drunken mob. It is true, and he leapt off the train, the train that he was then chasing, and said, That's my mom! And he defended his mother. So you should know that as the bride of Christ, you have a ministry that will defend you. I've seen it. He will do it. He will do it. I spent most of my teenage years trying to figure out what he was laughing at. His sense of humor was much cooler than mine. And I now confess, 20 years down the road, Brother Brown, I spent most of the time trying to figure out what you were talking about. Uh, I laughed anyway because I didn't want to appear stupid. So... There we are. Many of you may be doing the same right now. <laughs> Praise God. you have Bibles? you have Bibles here in this church? Fantastic. Let's stand for the reading of the Word of the Lord. I don't want to be long today, but I want to be really, really, really good because you're a great church. You have a great ministry team here. You have a great pastor, and you deserve the very best preparation of God's Word. Now, His Word is true. His Word is alive. So I could be dumb as a rock and stiff as a board and just crazy but if I gave you the Word of God today, it's life, okay? But I do want to do a good job preparing it and giving it to you so that it's easy and palatable for you to access and understand. So I've prayed, Wesley's prayed, my pastor Black back home has prayed that, uh, that I wouldn't stink it up and that I would uh, give you guys a word from the Lord that is worthy of your appetite today. Genesis 25, Genesis 25. We're going to read a familiar story. Uh, about a guy looks like he got a bad deal, and we're going to talk about that a little bit, and uh, we'll let the Lord let the Lord move. I don't think we're going to be long today, so how many will get with me from the start? Don't don't wait for the good part. It's it's just going to be real quick, okay? So if you're waiting for the good part, your parade will have passed. Genesis 25, 29. I'm reading from New King James. Jacob cooked a stew. How many are hungry? Me too. We're not going to be long, I promise. Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. Everybody say weary. Okay, here's the first point. It's dangerous to make decisions when you're weary. Okay? That's why pastors are encouraging us to get in the presence of God, because in the presence of God comes strength. Make stupid decisions when you get weak and tired. Right? If you're weak and tired, don't decide today. Pray about it, sleep, sleep and get up tomorrow and make a decision that day. Okay? Don't make decisions when you're weary. That's a dumb time to make decisions. Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Now, the only thing worse than being weary and making decisions is being weary and not recognizing it. If you're weary and you recognize it, you got a chance. 
So I'm not going to ask for a show of hands today, but if somebody's weary today, I promise you, I don't know how you got through this and still being weary, but if you're still weary right now, God has rest for you. And your amount of weariness is no match for God's amount of strength. Your paltry little weariness that you're feeling right now, I don't care how weary you are, God's strength can overwhelm that weariness in a moment. And give you strength for eternity. Somebody say amen. If you've experienced the strength of God, why don't you lift your hand just in way of testimony today to those of us who may need strength. Therefore, his name was called Edom, which has to do with redness or hairiness. Jacob said, selling me your birthright as of this day. Now, I commend to you that there are still voices that are asking you to sell what is unpriceable. The scripture says it this way, buy the truth and sell it not. Jacob said it this way, what you've got I'd like to have and I'll give you something for it. Those voices are still there. Esau said, look, I'm about to die. The thing that happens after weariness is you over-exaggerate the tension of the moment. And you neglect the value of the future. No one ever committed suicide thinking that tomorrow was going to be a better day than today. Nobody ever walked out of an apostolic ministry and said, I'm never coming back, thinking that tomorrow they would be stronger in the spirit than they are today. When you get weary, you overestimate the moment and you underestimate your future. I'm here to speak against that spirit today, and I'm here to tell somebody that if you will stick with God, you are not dumb enough, you are not weak enough, you are not sinful enough, you are not little enough, you are not weak enough. You are, there is in no wise are you able to comprehend the power that God can place in your life. If you stay with the church, if you stay with the Spirit, He can bring something about in your life. What is this birthright to me? A man without a future is a man who cannot value what is in his present. A church that has no tomorrow cannot be committed today. But if we know the Jesus of Hebrews 13 and 8, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then we can properly appreciate what we're holding in our hand because we know that tomorrow it will have greater value. I feel an undercurrent of the Spirit of God speaking to the church. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on to what you have. Somebody feel that today. Somebody feel like holding on. Jacob said, swear to me. He swore to him. Sold his birthright. Jacob, he saw bread and stew of lentils. Thank you for turning me down. I think that's what you did. I'm really loud right now. He ate, drank, rose, and went his way. Esau despised his birthright. Within 48 hours, what Esau consumed was now out of his body. I'm not going to make this PG-13, but let me tell you, what you take in in exchange for covenant will leave you. But covenant has staying power. What you exchange for truth, you will consume, and it will leave you. But truth will make you free. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you would speak to this congregation. God, I pray today that you would anoint this body again and again, Lord, through your word and let your word bring forth the life that it has within it unto these people and this community and this faithful congregation and this ministerial team. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Esau made a critical error. 
in that he negotiated from unrecognized need and untended hunger. There are needs that you have in your life for the Word of God and the Spirit of God, the people of God, and the man of God. I'm sick to death of hearing about people who want to follow the Spirit of God, but they won't follow the Word of God or the man of God. If you won't follow the man and you won't follow the Word, I don't want to hear about talking about the Spirit. Because the Bible says the Spirit, the wind, the Spirit is like a wind, and the wind bloweth where it listeth. You hear the sound thereof, but you can't tell whence it comes or where it goes. You can't follow something that you don't know where it came from or where it's headed. But let me tell you something. You can follow something that's written in black and white. You can follow a man of God who has a voice of authority in your life and if you'll follow the word and if you'll follow the man you will find that you are following the spirit and that God is leading you to greater life more abundant life more powerful life more whole life more healthy life more blessed life Esau had a problem because he negotiated from a place where he didn't recognize what his true needs are. I'm here to preach to you today that there is a true need for the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the people of God, the man of God, and the covenant of God in our lives. How many recognize that you have a need of the Lord today? Esau also had untended hunger. Untended hunger leads to weariness. There's a hunger in your spirit for accessing the presence of God. And I can tell you, I can tell you, how difficult an issue carnality is going to be for me in my life. Now, I'm, I've lived over half my life, provided Jesus doesn't come tomorrow and I get to be old and old and older and older, friends. Let me tell you that my life is over half over, but I still struggle in my life with things that I face every day. And the amount of the struggle is directly proportional to the amount of time that I have spent not tending my hunger, my real hunger. You understand? There are people who become, the, the, the Bible said that the prodigal, when he got away from real things, became so hungry that he wanted to fill his belly with husks. If you don't understand what your real hungers are, your true desires, the desires of your soul for the Word of God and the presence of God, if you have no devotion in your life, if there's no fasting in your life, if there's no worship in your life, if there's no altar in your life where you can have your sins remitted by the blood of Jesus Christ, if you don't recognize real hunger, then you start feeding that with other things. My struggle is directly proportional to the lack of my devotion, the lack of consistency in my own life. If I'm not reading my Bible every day, if I'm not praying every day, if I'm not fasting every week, if I'm not fellowshipping with the body every week, if I'm not in accountability with a trusted brother every week, that leads to untended hunger in my life. How many hear me? I'm telling you that Christian disciplines are not there to steal our joy and to cramp our style. They're there to give us feeding that prevents untended hunger. Because God doesn't want us to make bad decisions based on weakness. Now, I perceive that I'm not among a lot of weak Christians today, and I thank God for that. But please, there are times when you're strong, and there are times when you're less strong. Don't make decisions about covenant in a time of weakness. Esau made a critical area. Now, I'd like to call him the Priceline Negotiator. Um, I almost called this Let's Make a Deal, which is more Hollywood. But if you know anything about Shatner, he's become very rich in his career at snarkiness. And one of the, the things that Priceline has made famous is that you name your own price, right? Right? 
Anybody familiar with the concept? So if you've got flexible travel plans, rather than the airline telling you how much they'll charge you and then hitting you with the other hidden fees that they won't tell you about, but we're not going to get on that because I don't want to get bitter. I'm under the anointing, and I don't want to die. God bless Delta. We thank you for them, God. Lord bless them. Okay. Let them be more like Southwest and let them less like themselves. Now, I don't know where that came from. It wasn't in my notes. That's just a bonus. Esau, though, he, he, he was able to name his price. Now, the way pricing usually works is somebody tells you what something is worth, and you decide whether or not you'll pay it. But in this economy, on Priceline, you get to tell how much you're willing to pay for something, how much it's worth to you. And Esau was able to set a price on covenant. Now, God has set a value on you. First Peter 1 and 18 says God has redeemed us. You know what the word really means? It means to buy back. But if you trace it further in the English language, to deem something is to think about it. Now, somebody get with me right now. If God thinks about you again, it makes a difference in what your value is. God has redeemed us. He has rethought us. John said it this way. If your heart doesn't condemn you, congratulations. You reached the Holy Grail. You're good. If your heart doesn't condemn you, congratulations. But if your heart condemns you, it says in 1 John, God is greater than our heart. I came to tell somebody today who's living under the shadow of condemnation that if God redeems you, if God rethinks your value, and if God places a value on your life, then that's the value that you have. It's greater than your conscience. It's greater than your neighbor. It's greater than the voice of Satan and all his imps and everything that he has to say about you. If God says that this is a church that can take Pasadena, then this is a church that can take Pasadena. If God says that this is a ministry that's anointed, it's a ministry that's anointed. If God says you're a worshiper, then you're a worshiper. If God says your sins are forgiven, then you're spotless and white as snow. When God thinks about you, it makes a difference. You understand? Now, I want you to think good things about my son, but let me tell you something. It doesn't really matter if you think he's a great kid or a punk. He's getting on the plane with me this afternoon, and I'm taking him home because I know him better than you do, and I value him, and he is my life's blood. It doesn't matter what your neighbors say about your covenant. It doesn't matter what your neighbors think about your worship. It doesn't matter what the devil has to say about your yesterday. If God knows you better than you know yourself, and he values you above all this world, then there's a value you that's placed in your life how many are thankful that god redeemed you he rethought you he saw he knows our sins he's not denying we did it but he rethought us he said give me some more time to work with them i'm willing to redeem them rethink them but god is a just god and just as he gives the ability to value us he in turn gives us the ability to value him the irony of the universe, the magnificence of the Christmas story is that the three kings, when they came to Jesus as a child, could choose to go that way and to kneel and to offer their gifts. Or they could say, ha, it's just a three-year-old boy. I'm not that impressed. The shepherds, when they showed up at the stable, could have bowed and said, this is the Son of God. Or they could have said, I got flocks to tend. I got to get back to work. We get a chance to value the things of God. We name our own price. We name our own price. 
Now, I'm here to say today that Esau gets a bad rap. He was actually a pretty good negotiator because at least he got to eat the porridge. You know what the irony is? That the things that people trade for covenant, they don't even get to keep. If you put first things first, you get second things as a bonus. How many are here to say that by putting God first, God has placed other blessings in your life? Hey, I've got clothes I can wear today. I'm not worried about where I'm going to eat this afternoon. God has blessed me in my health. He's given me peace. But you understand, pursuing those things as the ends in themselves would have led me to disaster. But by putting the kingdom of God first, all these things have been added unto me. I come to the crux of the matter today. This culture is a culture of accumulation. We live in a society that says worth is measured by what is held in the hand and that you need to go out and you need to get and you need to hoard and you need to grab and you need to accumulate. But Jesus said, cast your bread on the water. If you're serving God because of the loaves and the fishes, there will come a day when the miraculous does not appear before your eyes because God will see whether second things are important to you or first things are important to you. Just like Esau faced a moment of crisis and weakness and he had to determine what he valued. God is seeking to know what we as a church and individuals value. How important is covenant to you? Is covenant important to you when it's convenient? When it's blessing you? It's easy. You know what? I love my pastor. I love Reverend Terry Black. It's easy to love him today. Because the last time I sent a text message to him, he answered it and he said, Oh, I miss you guys. It's easy to love the pastor on those days. But what about when he says, I don't agree with this timing of this decision in your life. Then I decide if covenant is convenient or if covenant is critical. If you're serving a convenient covenant, then you are damned to a life of devaluation. But if you are serving under a covenant that is critical to you and you say, I don't care what it brings me or I don't care what it costs me. You see, when Peter saw Jesus die on that cross, it would have been easy to flee and to never come back. When it came time for Peter to martyr his own life by surrendering to the will of God and to be crucified himself upside down, tradition tells us, then he had to decide whether covenant was convenient or covenant was critical. God deals with people who have proper priorities. We to burst somebody's bubble in the salvation by work scheme. God is not so com- concerned about your performance as he is your priorities. In the New Testament, the writer said, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. Esau was a performer. Esau was a man's man. Esau had it all going for him. Esau was the most likely to succeed. But Esau had a priority problem that aided him like a cancer because he didn't know how to value the things of God. He didn't know what true value was. And covenant was convenient. The covenant wasn't critical. On the other hand, Jacob was somebody who was off to the side. He was a deceiver. He had flaws. He had morality. 
personality issues. There were things in Jacob's life that were wrong with Jacob, but something that was right with Jacob is every time he heard Abraham talking about the covenant to Esau and said, Esau, our seed is going to be like the stars of the heavens and the sands of the earth. Jacob was known by the tent saying, I wish I could hear. I wish I could be a part of that. I want to, I want to be a part of that. I want to get in there. Let me tell you something, church. You may not be the most likely person on your block that people would elect to be the neighbor of the month or the yard of the year club. But let me tell you something. If you've got a priority for the covenant of God, if you've got a hunger for the things of God, if you've got a thirst for the Spirit of God, God can use you. God can use people who've got the right priorities. Satan is so skilled at pointing out performance failures. He's so skilled. I need your help, son. Come here. Let me tell you something. I want you to stretch. I want you to touch the ceiling. I want you to, I just want you to touch the ceiling. Touch it. You're not touching it. You're not really even trying. Jump. Touch it. Touch it. Okay, now I'll try. All right, come back. See, see, see. Let me tell you. Let me show you something. Let me show you something. This will help you. This is why Paul said, "Don't compare yourselves among yourselves." I can't stand here and say, "Well, I'm reaching higher than you are, so I'm a better Christian." In God's eyes, failure's failure. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's not about performance. It's about priority. Do I want to reach? And if God is seeing somebody reach for Him, then He's going to use them. If God is seeing somebody who's stretching their hands toward the Word and the Spirit and the ministry and the man of God, He's going to use that person because they've got a priority that touches His heart. Come on, Jacob. Come on, Esau. Let's declare who we are. Let's quit pretending. Do we have an appetite for the things of God or do we have an appetite for the things of our world? Stand with me if you would. God is ready to use people that have a priority that is directed toward covenant. God is ready to use a people who are not measuring themselves by performance, but they're measuring themselves by priority. Oh, the publican had it so wrong. Oh, I'm stretching so much higher than you are. Oh, I thank God that I can stretch six feet in the air when the dumb publican over here, he can only stretch about three feet. That's a way to pave your road to hell. It is imperative that we understand that the excellency of the power is in Christ Jesus and not in us. Take his presence from me and I'm a nobody. Take his spirit from me and I'm a failure. Take his word from me and I'm a disaster. What can I offer the creator of the world? But all he's asked is that I arrange my priorities in a way that honors his covenant. I can't want the blessings more than I want the giver of the blessings. Prosperity gospel is so inaptly named, it couldn't be a worse lie. Because it really isn't a gospel. You see, gospel is good news that changes. All the prosperity gospel does is dress up materialism and greed in a Christian persona and say if you serve the jackpot Jesus and you pull the lever with just the right prayer, then three sevens come up and God will give you everything you want. God doesn't mind us having things. It doesn't bother Him. There are many scriptures to say that He wants us to have the best. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I get Him anything He wants. 
As long as it doesn't hurt his character, everything I've got is his. Why? Because I love him. God loves us. This is not to bash our possessions. But it touches the heart of God when a man will come here and stand and say, let's take what we have and let's reach out to others and not only go to the store and buy something to change somebody's life, but let's give witness and testimony to it and ask others to be involved. That's a moment that moves God. That's a priority that moves God when we say, I want to be part of a covenant that is including others. I got one final shot at you. First things first, and you get seconds. Second things first, and you lose the seconds and the first. At least Esau got the soup. Young ladies, don't give up your covenant because other people say you ought to dress like them. Where are they? Where is the result of our celebrity culture? Young men, don't give up your virginity because the world says you need a sensual experience. How long is it going to last you? What's the fruit of it? Don't give up your purity for pornography. You'll be 75 years old at Thanksgiving ashamed of what you're looking at behind your grandchildren's backs. Don't walk out of here and leave truth because you want the culture to accept you in some kind of weird spiritual focus group on your neighborhood Bible study block. God's people are peculiar people. We've always been weirdos. Everybody else is bowing before the 90-foot God. We're standing up saying, I hear the music, but I refuse to dance. Be ashamed of who you are. Worst rap on covenant said it's pharisaical and exclusivistic. I got a word for you. God started with one family, Adam and Eve. He moved it to a clan with Noah and three other couples. It wasn't long till Abraham had a tribe and then Moses had a nation. But none of that was the fulfillment of God's will. We're living in the fulfillment of God's will. Joel prophesied it. He said, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit. I'm not going to measure it. I'm going to pour it out. And it's going to come on all flesh. Peter stood up and said, this covenant is for you and for your children's children, for all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I believe that all of the Pasadena area has a birthright in covenant. We are here today not to bless our own lives. We're already ready for heaven. If you repented of your sins, if you've been baptized in the name of Jesus, if you've spoken with tongues and received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you're heaven ready. The only reason Jesus still has us here is because there's a larger group of people that have a birthright in covenant. Let's don't trade away what they're dying to have. Let's don't sell short what is precious to them. We have their salvation in our hands. Paul said, unto us has been committed the word of reconciliation. What if I had the secret of the universe and sold it away on my own desire? Come on, Jacob. Where are you? Flawed? Yes. With a past? Yes. Even everybody else knew him by a name that really wasn't true. Misunderstood. Not very skilled. But priority driven toward covenant. I'm not, to be honest with you, I'm not interested in your last week. That's Brother Brown's problem. That's his mantle. God's given him that authority. What I'm interested in is you're going to answer the call of the Spirit to priority today. Because God can deal with last week if you've got a priority that's 
something in this church. It's beautiful. I love it. I preached hard today, but I wanted to encourage you. If it's come across too too broad stroked, I, I apologize. But in my spirit is burning against it. I, I, I'm competing with spirits that are here that try to drag the church down. Competing with spirits that try to, to get a sheep off in the corner away from the rest of the flock and say, Oh, you stubbed your toe. And, oh, there's, there's, there's lint in your wool. And, and there's a spot here and there's a spot there that tries to get you out of the fold. I'm, I'm against those spirits today. I stand here in the authority of, of my pastor, my apostle. stand here in his authority telling you that you don't have to deal with that. It's a future. There's a future. Make decisions out of strength. Would you bow your heads with me? We, we don't have a lot of room in the altar area. I don't know how you guys do this. I, I suppose not everybody can, can, can get up here. But I know you could get out in an aisle. I know there's an area in the back. What I don't want is us all just sitting together in our, in our pews and our seats and the Holy Ghost not having free opportunity. Now, where you stand, honestly, doesn't matter to God as far as space is concerned. Because it's, He can hit you right where you are. But out of obedience and out of a symbol that increases our own faith, if something's resonated with you today, if you feel a hunger for truth that's rising up within you, if you believe that your priorities outstrip your performance, if you believe that you're more Jacob and Esau and you're interested in the long term of what God wants to do in you and in this church and this city, I wonder if by motion of just a simple response, if you step out of your aisles and lift your hands, this ministry team is here to pray for people. The worship team is here to sing. If you could step forward or step out of your aisle, lift your hands and say, Lord, I want my priority to reflect the truth that you have given. You have redeemed me. You have thought of me, Lord, again. You have rethought me, Lord, and I want to tell you that I value what you're doing in my life. I value the future that you're placing in me. I value the future that I see in this church. I value the covenant, God, that you've placed over our lives, God. The sacrifices that you ask us to have, Lord, they're not burdensome to me, Lord. I value them. I feel this is wonderful. This is a response. Keep coming. Press up close, if you will, to the front. Press up close. Yes, get out here. Let everybody have an opportunity to visibly respond. Let everybody have an opportunity to visibly respond. Speak to your church, Lord. Speak to your church. Speak to your church. The name of Jesus. The Holy Ghost is moving right now. There are relationships that are being changed because priorities are changing. There's performance issues that are being dealt with because priorities are becoming clear. Submission issues are being dealt with because priorities are aligning. Let's lift our hands together. Let's ask God to move on us right now. Let's ask God to move on us. Touch your people, Lord. truth and sell it not. It really doesn't matter what the price that the world places on my covenant. I'm not going to sell. I'm not going to sell my birthright. This is my heritage. My father lived for it. My grandfather, my great-grandfather. If you're here today in your first generation apostolic, don't be ashamed. You're standing in a long line of believers. And spiritually, your heritage goes all the way back to Adam who walked in the garden with God. 
You're standing in a lineage of people who have placed a priority on the presence of God. You have the ability to access that presence today. God, no matter what it costs me, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to live for you, Jesus. Can I speak to you, church? While you're here, arranging the first, the first priorities, God is dealing with those second issues. God's dealing with those prayers that have been keeping you awake at night. God's dealing with those needs that you have. Because you cannot put first things first without second things following. You cannot make Jesus' presence a priority without His performance coming to dominate your life. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, let's love Him together. Praise the Lord. Oh, falling in love with Jesus. Falling in draw one more parallel for you. If you're praying, continue praying. If you're, if you're not praying, if you could just focus your attention here for a moment. I gave you an example of somebody who didn't have the right priority. He devalued covenant and you see the end of his life. Let me give you another example of someone who took a far different choice. Esther, for six months, only listened to the man who knew the king's preferences. She never had an audience with the king, but for six months she listened to the eunuch who ruled his household. It's a powerful thing to listen to those who have had an audience with the king. It's a powerful thing to listen to your pastor when he sets priorities in your life. It's a powerful thing to listen to the word of God about what God desires. Because there came a moment in Esther's life when her own life was in danger. And she said to King Ahasuerus, Ahasuerus, I've got a need. 
But the Bible says that the scepter was extended over her. When you make the king a priority and you feel the scepter of God's favor placed over your life, there's nothing you truly need that he will withhold from you. He said, how many of you fathers would refuse to give your son bread? How many of you would refuse him a fish? And he said, you're evil and wicked fathers. He said, how much more your heavenly father will give you what you have need of when you ask it? Hey, if we make him a priority, our second issues are really going to not become issues anymore. He's going to deal with all those. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Pastor Brown is going to come. He's going to pray. We're going to close the service in whatever he sees fit, whether that's a course or more exhortation, prayer, whatever he desires. While he's coming, if you would just join your hands together. I want us to corporately pray. Now, we've prayed as individuals, and God has blessed us. But in case you didn't pray this, in case you were doing your own soul tending, I want us to do this together. Let's pray that God will help us as a church to always put first things first. Amen? It's obvious to me you've been doing that. I'm not bringing any new message to you. I want to endorse and encourage the priorities that have been made. There's a priority of worship in this house. I'm not a rocket scientist. I don't have to have my discernometer set to 100 to to perceive that. There's a priority on the Word of God here. It's a priority on obedience and submission to the will of God and the man of God here. I, I perceive that. So I'm not telling you anything new. I just want to encourage that today. Let's join hands together and pray that God will help us as a church to have the priorities that he desires. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray that when you split the eastern sky, there'll be a church here in Pasadena that has a priority that exactly mirrors that that you desire for us. That, God, you would have your hand on us corporately. That we would not have a single service go by where your priority is not made manifest in your presence. Oh, God, let your purpose be enacted within us as individuals and corporately. Let us follow our leadership. Let us follow your word on to greater and greater victories that you desire for us. And for these things and many others, we, your church, your bride, your people, your covenant bought, your redemption living bride, we lift our voices and our hands and our hearts in thanks. We give you glory and honor and praise for you are worthy. In the name of Jesus, could we clap our hands, lift our voices, thank Him for what He's doing in our midst. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, let's thank the Lord for His presence we feel here. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. 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 There is a a Christian culture culture in, in Christianity so-called that uh, causes us to causes people to want to focus on 
simply the, the benefits and the blessings that God has available for us and all the provisions that He will grant to us. But uh, you're reading from a different Bible. If you don't understand, if you don't get the point that the blessings and the favor of God come when we step across the line of commitment and covenant with Christ Jesus. God didn't say to Abraham, okay, we're going to make a covenant today and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your household. I'm going to bless all you have, period. God said, you're going to be my people. You're going to obey me and I'm going to bless you. You're going to put me first and I'm going to favor your life. There's two sides to every covenant. We only look at one side oftentimes in Christianity and people miss out on the fact they're pursuing the other side of the covenant when they haven't fulfilled the first side of the covenant. When they haven't fulfilled their side of the covenant, they're pursuing what Brother Jackson said, second things. And they end up losing the second things and the first things. But if we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then all of these blessings, all of these blessings will be added unto us. And if you're not sure as to whether you have crossed the line of covenant, whether you have made that commitment, I can promise you one thing, that there is a test coming. There will be something that will determine whether it's a trial or a difficulty. The Bible says the seed was planted in many places and it sprung forth. But then there came the time of testing. The sun, the dryness, was there competing things that were going to overwhelm the priority of the seed in the ground? And for some people, those competing forces of the weeds and the thistles and the thorns choked it out. And so I want to tell you today that we have heard from God because some of you need to make decisions that show up in your lives by way of your actions. You can't just affirm in your mind that God is first. It's got to show up in your life. James said it this, me, this way, show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. It's going to show up in my lifestyle if I put God first. It's not just going to show up in my brain. It's not just an assent that God is first, but it shows up in specific ways, the way you prioritize your life, the way you prioritize your schedule, what things are most important, what things are non-negotiable. Amen? And I'm challenging some of you today to not just nod your heads and smile and say, I believe that, but say, God, I want you to put the searchlight on my life. Apply a little pressure if you have to, to find out if you're first in my life, because this is the most important thing to me. i got to get my family to heaven. i got to get my wife to heaven. i got to get my kids to heaven. It's not enough just to feel your presence and to enjoy some goosebumps. But God, I want to be in covenant with you. I know that if I put you first, I know that if I follow after you with a single focus that you'll take care of the... Do you believe that's true? If you'll put God first, if you'll pursue after Him, even when things happen that you don't understand, even when people treat you ways that you don't understand, you're like, I'm going to slough it off because I'm focused on what God is going to do in my life. Hallelujah. Come on, I like words like this today. Anybody like words like this today? Hallelujah. 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 Because the word that we heard today is not just a goosebump for Sunday, but it's a lifestyle for Monday. It's a direction to help us make decisions on Tuesday. 
It's something that determines whether I'm going to come to church or not on Wednesday. Wow, how come nobody said amen on that one? We're talk- this is where it, really, where it really starts becoming evident in our life, whether this is a priority for us or not, whether God's first in our life or not. God's people are gathering together. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of, of yourselves together. Anybody ready for the word right now? Come on now. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. When God is first in your life, you don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Come on. Anybody ready for a little pastoring right now? Amen. Because this is where it shows up in our lives. I'm not saying that if you miss a Wednesday that uh, you're not right with God. But when a consistent pattern develops in your life where other things crowd out the priority of prayer, fasting, fellowship with brothers and sisters, and the Word of God, then it's a sign that something is not right in terms of your covenant. Come on. This is real. This is where, where the rubber meets the road. This is not goosebumps. Come on now. This is not stammering lips. This is the Word of God forever established and forever settled. I'm putting God first in my family. I decided a long time ago. I decided a long time ago there's one question that I never want asked in my house. I don't want these words ever spoken in my house. Are we going to church today? And they've never been spoken in my home. Why? Because they know. It's Sunday. We're going to church. The doors are open. They got the music cranking. We're going to be there. What did the man say? Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I affirm. I affirm that God is first. Amen. Amen, amen. And, and one thing that it helps to understand that uh, as soon as you make a commitment like that, the enemy is going to try to steal that from you because he recognizes the value of priority, priority passion. He recognizes the value of priority passion. The first time you make a commitment like that, there's going to be everything you can imagine to come up to try to get you to negotiate with that priority in your life. But I'm challenging some people of God. If you're serious about your kids getting to heaven, if you're serious about God using your kids, put the priority principle into practice in your life. Man, that was powerful, Brother Jackson, when you talked about performance versus priority. It's not what I'm doing. It's not how many times I do it or how effective I am. It's what is first in my life that matters. That's what makes the difference. One more time, touch the shoulder of your neighbor. We're going to pray for our church family right now because we have all kinds of people. People that have been serving God for years. People that are brand new believers. Some people that were serving God and aren't pursuing after Him as much today. Others that are initiating a new covenant with God and walk in covenant with Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray in the name of the Lord. God, I pray right now. Lord Jesus, that you would seal the word in the hearts of those believers that are listening today. I pray in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, that your Holy Spirit would establish firmly, Lord God, in the hearts of those, Jesus, Lord, whose lives are in the balance in terms of their decisions. I pray especially for those whose decisions will affect children and spouses in the name of the Lord. I pray, dear God, as we pursue, Lord Jesus, your priority as we pursue righteousness, Lord God, as we seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, Lord, that these things would be added unto our church families, unto our members. Thank you, Lord God, for challenging us. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
Jesus, for prodding us. Thank you for provoking us, Lord Jesus, using the man, provoking us to good works, provoking us, Lord Jesus, to reevaluate our condition, our position today. Thank you for this church. Thank you for every member, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus, that you refuse to let us stay where we are, but you enable us to move forward by strong words from God. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we praise you for it. In the name of Jesus, we give you glory right now. Why don't you put your hands together and praise the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Jesus, you're worthy. 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 Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Shout out hallelujah. dismissed in the name of the Lord. Before you leave, I want you to turn to three people, give them a high five at least seven feet high in the air. And I want you to say, first things first. Come on, just say first things first. Hallelujah. Come on, that's good. Seven feet, seven feet, seven feet. Hallelujah. First things first. Hallelujah. Mario has a fundraiser that he wants to do to help uh, supply Bibles to those that don't have Bibles uh, for the men specifically. Uh, he'll meet with you out there on the other side of the church building. He's going to show you an opportunity where you can get some suit coats and so forth and some good deals. So, uh, The Lord has blessed me with an opportunity. Uh, I have uh, part of my vision uh, in, in this effort is to help Brother Rick. Brother Rick, wave your hand. I appreciate all that uh, he has uh, undertaken in coming across these opportunities. And I see myself hooking up with him. And I want to bless uh, that avenue that he's pursuing. Uh, and in the fundraiser that I'm doing is uh, for men's sport coats and blazers. Men, I, I've got some good stuff. I handpicked it all. As I've organized it in the back. If you kind of, I'll, I'll be the Pied Piper. You just follow me and I'll show you the area where it's at. This will be either a preview if you're ready to make a purchase, uh, or uh, I'll, I'll plan something for uh, this coming Saturday. I'll send emails to everybody, okay? So uh, anyway, ultimately, by the way, did you know that the, the year 2011 